Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well met, fellow adventurers. I am in, back in the village of, of Warfoot. And time to play those new adventures we unlocked last time. The first one is The Gate, which is another Oakenstone Mask-inspired adventure by VWK. An unattended portal is a dangerous thing. Start the adventure. I'll just do this on normal difficulty. Here we go. And so it begins. Deep in the forest. A morning's trek from the village of Warfort. An unattended portal, with nothing to indicate either its origin or purpose, is, is, an, is not a welcome sight. A thousand sinister possibilities vie for your attention, so you manage to suppress such imaginings as you maintain a cautious vigil. For several long minutes you stand at a considerable dis- distance, diligently observing the black, energy-wind, magical gate. You can only surmise whoever opened the portal must have stepped into it and likely intends to return for it. After a while, while you'll feel strangely compelled to enter the portal. Mm. Strangely compelled? Mm. I'll, I'll just, so I could just enter the portal straight away because that's what I do. If I see a portal, I enter it. No matter how how likely this is to utterly doom me. Or I could just continue to observe the magical gate. I'll do that. Resisting the urge to en- growing urge to enter the portal. You remain where you are. Your gaze fixed on the magical gate. Suddenly, your pulse quickens. Something is stirring at the heart of the portal's inky, churning core. A series of ghostly moans rise into the air as the glowing silhouette of an armoured man suddenly emerges from the portal. The sight of the translucent, headless being, its edges ablaze, blaze with a thin border of writhing golden energy, fills you with dread. With a deafening shriek, the ghostly figure surges towards you. 
his feet gliding smoothly across the road's rugged surface as it launches a fierce, unrelenting attack. It's a vengeful spirit. Reaches out for you. Okay, keeps bash. Bashity bash bash bash. Now it's slain. 7 XP. As the last glowing remnants of your ghostly foe vanish, a second apparition, its headless silhouette nearly identical to the first, glides out of the portal. A hideous wail shatters the silence. As the gruesome spirit hurtles towards you, its arms outstretched and its clawed hands poised to close around your throat. It's now a hateful spirit. It's just filled with hate. Yes, so much hate, it's, it's flowing out of the top. The violent spit, the vile spirit reaches out for you. Keeps doing that. And I just keep bash, bashity, bash, bash, bash. Bashity, bash, bash, bash. Oh, oh, I missed the special. Sorry about that. 8xp. Yet another of the headless apparitions surges out of the portal's churning core. Howling wildly, its horrid cry akin to the agonised call of a starving beast. The glowing phantom is swiftly upon you, attempting to close its hands around your neck. It's a cruel spirit. The vile spirit reaches out for you. Keep bashing it. Bashity bash, 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 bash. The touch of your enemy sends a deathly chill the length of your body for 12 damage. And then again for 17 damage. It's nearly got... Oh, def, deathly chill. 12 damage. And it is slain. 9 XP, just a quick heal now. As the last piercing wail of the dying spirit fades to silence. Your gaze falls upon a tall, slender figure emerging from the portal. The figure's inky silhouette, a deeper black than the swirling darkness. The portal's core comes fully into focus as a young woman steps out the magical gate. Her dark robes, gaunt face and sunken eyes immediately fill you with a profound sense of dress. Why did you interfere? Imbecile! You've ruined everything! Without warning, the world woman waves her white hand at you, unleashing a pulsing arc of negative energy. As the deadly magical attack surges through you, you feel as if every fibre of your being is being torn to pieces. Here's a check. Bonus of 40, 20 from body, 20 from spirit. Gonna get 75 or more, or I'm gonna get hurt. 121 is a success. You manage to stave off the damaging effects of the negative energy attack, but quickly find yourself engaged in a brutal fight against a powerful and deadly foe. Brandishing a thin iron staff with a remarkable degree of prowess, the world woman appears determined to end her life here and now on this lonely stretch of forest road. It's a necromancer. The necromancer attacks you with her iron staff. I guess I guess she's one out of dead to summon. Or at least though she's 
those she's brought with her. Maybe she has more at home. Now she's going to attack me directly. Okay, keep bashing her. She keeps attacking, and now she is slain. But remember, necromancer. So she might not stay slain. 7 XP. You step back from the lifeless body of the sorceress and immediately turn your wary gaze towards the portal. Without a sound, the magical gate, no longer under control of the sinister mage, suddenly closes. A quick search of the spellcaster's remains turns up only a small quantity of gold and a dagger. 14 gold tokens and a sturdy dagger, which I will sell later. It's just a, it's just a generic, it's a generic dagger. After taking a final look around, you're about to set off on your way when a sudden shrill hiss from behind sends your pulse racing. Staggering towards you along the edge of the road, their fleshless hands gripping the decayed weapons they long ago took to the grave are seven skeletons. Hissing wildly, the sinister undead legion advances upon you. Uh, you're a bit late, skeletons. She's already dead. You're late. You might as well go home. Go home, skeletons. Nothing more I can do. She's already dead. Only unless, of course, you intend to retrieve her body so she can resurrect later as some sort of lich. Steadily advances upon you. Hold your ground and engage the skeletons. Okay. Drawing yourself into an advantageous position as the present scenario permits, you brazenly square off to face the skeletons one at a time. Okay, probably between two big trees or something. Or maybe it's one of those trees where it's got big roots, big, huge-ass roots going from the side, and it means there's only one way to me, and that's like they climb, and skeletons aren't good at climbing. Begin combat, anyway. The skeleton hisses as it attacks. Now it is slain. 3xp. The next skeleton staggers forward and attacks. We are skeleton number two, hisses as it attacks. Slain, here comes number three. Five XP for that. As your undead foe collapses into a heap of shattered bone, the next of its gruesome kin is upon you, sweeping out with its decayed axe. <coughs> Excuse me. Hisses as it attacks and is slain. The fourth skeleton is fleshed as digits. Digits wrapped around the haft of an ancient war hammer hisses as it as it fiendishly swing swings the deadly weapon. If you have all got little different descriptions, that's more than you had to do. Begin combat. The skeleton hisses as it attacks and is slain. The next skeleton five XP. The next skeleton clad in a mixed tattered mix of leather and cloth. Surge silently lurches forward, brandishing a rusted sword. Skeleton fires, so hisses as it attacks, and is slain. 
as the sixth skeleton steps over the shattered remains of the fifth and fearlessly attacks. This is as it attacks and is slain. The last of the skeletons, 5xp. A chain-clad fiend brandishing a heavy axe hisses violently as it swiftly closes in and attacks. The ferocity of its assault momentarily driving you back. I'm fighting a skeleton and it's the last one. It hisses and attacks. Your enemy smashes through your defences with a devastating blow for 27 damage. Oh no! But I'm getting it back for it, and it is now slain. Well, that's what you get for doing a devastating blow against me. You get slain, but you'd have been slain anyway. So weird, it's got nothing to do with the devastating blow. Anyway, slain. For now, at least. You are an undead, so maybe you'll, maybe, maybe someone will go over you with super glue and bring you back. With a final ragged hiss, wing 5xb, ringing in your ears, the skeleton staggers back and crumbles into a heap of splintered bone. 128 experience to general. After making certain no more of the undead fiends are lurching about, you promptly set off on your way, eager to be out of the deeper wilds before daylight fades. You find your way back to Warfoot, just as dusk is setting across the wild west vastness of Grey Warren. Village's most prompt prominent landmark, a towering statue of Seer, is a welcome sight following your grim encounter in nearby forest. In, in the days that follow, you begin to hear tell of others having discovered unattended portals similar to the one you found. While you're listening to the accounts, told by travellers and locals alike, you can't help but wonder at the sinister significance of the portals, and just how many of those who stumbled upon such magical gates never returned to tell the tale. 384 experience to general, 64 experience to all skills and powers, and that's the end of of the adventure called The Gate. And no new no new adventures were unlocked by doing that. On to the next one. Mudheart. It's another Oak and Stone Mask inspired adventure by VWK. Your dogged pursuit of the murderous goblin leads you deep into the tangled mire of Wang. Ramagorn Slow. Oh, that's a cool name. Start the adventure. Here we go. Late afternoon, deep in the tangled heart of a tangled bog. For four, day, four days of dogged tracking through Ramagorn Slough, a fetid mire that straddles the eastern Tosia border, has left you hopelessly wary desperately longing for the familiar trappings of a more civilised world. The perilous trek through a seemingly endless watery labyrinth of leeches, snakes, biting insects and bottomless oozing pools has, has exacted a heavy toll on your reliably unshakable spirit. 
even the promise of the bounty offered you by the agent of Fancroft does little to steady your reigning resolve. Who is Fancroft? Fancroft, the oldest of Tysa's five thanes, has been cast tasked by King Ranald with upholding law and order. Order within the capital city of Townless and surrounding countryside. Orsillian by birth, the Thane's family emigrated to Tulsa when he was a small child, and his father rose to prominence as a skilled horseman and field commander in the Tulsan army. Following in his father's stuck footsteps, Kralif also rose through the Tysian army ranks, ranks and was a commanding general during several of the great goblin wars that were waged in the Fedorin foothills. The Thane is a cool and calculating man, and indeed there are many inside the court of Winhold who do not approve of his fainship. Some have even gone so far as to question his loyalty to the king. Despite such rumblings, King Winhold maintains that Thane Qualef is a brave and loyal subject, who has time and again proven himself worthy of his lofty title. Hmm. All right. Alright. Alright, yeah, even the promise of the bounty offered to you by the agent of Crane Fralaf does little to steady you. Your waning resolve. Seems that the murderous goblin may again elude capture. And it's Mudheart. Ooh, he's got his own link. The vile litany of murderous deeds ascribed to the infamous goblin outlaw known as Mudheart is indeed long. For the better part of a decade, the savage mountain goblin has terrorised settlements along the eastern Tysian border. Several have attempt, attempts to hunt down a goblin, who notoriously escaped after, after being captured by a band of border rangers, have ended in failure. It is said that Mudheart possesses the strange ability to manipulate the emotions of those in close proximity, which has led some to believe this is how the Goblin has evaded justice for so long. Okay. At long, alas, just as you're beginning to entertain the notion of abandoning the hunt and allowing the Goblin to escape, Discover the, uh, the single careless imprint of a clawed foot, the murk at the edge of a reedy paw. All thoughts of letting Mudheart slip away instantly vanish. With renewed sense of purpose, you take up the vile creature's scant, scattered, scattered trail. Within an hour, Mudheart's trail has led you to an island of high, stony ground that rises up in, into the tower over the surrounding bog. On the north side of the isle, a warm path shakes its way up, up a series of sharp ledges, before ending at the tall but narrow mouth of a cave. Elation, having at last tracked Mudheart to his apparent refuge, is tapered by the realisation that delivering him the justice he has so long evaded will require you to brave the unknown dark of the fiendish creature's secluded lair. You're standing 
You're standing on a stone ledge, high above the vast tangle of the slope, before the narrow mouth of a cave. Nothing stirs in the gloom beyond the cave's foreboding wall, though you're certain that somewhere in the musty darkness lurks the murderous creature you've been hunting for nearly a week. Alright, just gonna pause. So I can enter the cave, or I can rest here. No need to do that yet. You also require woodmanship of 30 or more to west nearby, but most people have that. Especially considering you have to have done the green giant adventure first. Enter the cave. With your every sense alert for the first possible sign of danger, you slip through the narrow opening and make your way into the cave. You're standing just inside the mouth of the cave. To the west, a broad corridor plunges into the damp gloom that fills this secluded lair. So I'm in the northeast corner, just making my way west. Alright, now on the opposite side, northwest corner. A grim snarl from somewhere in the gloom ahead freezes you in mid-step. You hastily draw yourself into a combat-ready stance, just as a massive black morph emerges from the shadows. The savage creature is fangs barred, and its glutteral growls echoing along the damp channel suddenly bounds forward, eager to set itself upon one of its favourite items of prey. Human. It's a massive black wolf. And I don't think it's going to let me pet it. So, apparently, I have to kill it. Sorry about that, Wolf. But you're trying to kill me, so you, you understand. Lord of the Jungle and all that. The savage wolf savagely mauls you. Nothing personal, Wolf. It's just, you know, survival and all that. I mean, it, I mean, I mean if, I'd, if I'd known I'd encounter you, I'd have bought Wolfnip, which doesn't exist. And that would have calmed you down. But Wolfnick doesn't exist, so I can't. You have slain your foe. 21 XP. You step back from the bloody carcass of the wolf and exhale sharply. Suddenly, you notice that a crude leather collar around the wolf's neck. The presence of the collar could only mean you've just killed a beast employed by Mudheart to protect his lair. After carefully checking over your gear, you warily assume your exploration of the cave. Okay, Mudheart, that's going on your list of crimes. You made me kill a wolf. Hmm. Bad. Yes. Okay, I've just done it. A grim snarl from somewhere in the gloom ahead it freezes you in mid-step. You hastily draw yourself into a combat-ready stance, just as a massive wolf creep, black wolf, emerges from the shadows. The savage creature, his fangs bared, and its glutteral growls echoing along the damp tunnel, suddenly bounds forward, eager to set upon itself upon one of his favourite items of prey. Human, it's a massive black wolf once more and it sucked the bite of your enemy tore into my flesh for about 10 damage. And it is slain. 21 XP. 
and you step back from the bloody carcass of the wolf and exhale sharply. Suddenly, you notice a crude leather collar around the wolf's neck. Another of the beasts employed by Mudheart to protect his lair is no more. After carefully checking over your gear, you warily ex- resume your exploration of the cave. Okay, let's see. Oh, it's another massive black wolf here. Just going to quickly do that one. It bit me once, it tried to bite me, and it succeeded one time. You step back from the bloody carcass of the wall. Okay, yep, same, same thing as last time. Okay, now I'm now in the southern part of the dungeon. There's, there's alcoves, alcoves to the south, little passage to the east, southern alcove, nothing there. The sound of something moving up from behind you causes your heart to skip a beat. Instinctively, you swirl around and assume a defensive stance, prepared, prepared to face whatever it is. Much to your surprise, the gloom-filled passage appears to be empty. Okay, going down the eastern passage, nope. Suddenly, out of the corner of the eye, you spot something indistinct moving in your direction in, in the shadows just ahead. Instinctively, you draw yourself into a defensive stance, prepared to face whatever it is. Almost immediately, the dark shape retreats into the deeper gloom and vanishes. Just a bit more dungeon to go. Going, oh, so, there's some movement again. Okay, they're getting more frequent. Okay, just two more squares to go. I'm in the southwest corner. Well, close to it, one to the north, one to the south. I'll go to the north. Nothing there, okay. This is the final square of the dungeon. If it's anywhere, he's here. Unless, you know, he's moving around, which I think he is. In which case, who knows when he could turn up. He might just wait until I've given up and then stab me when I'm trying to leave. Something has been carved into the wall in this section of the clave tunnel. A closer examination reveals words. Tallies was here, chiselled into the damp stone. Of course he was. He's been everywhere. (laughs) I bet there was probably a really cool weapon in here. Or maybe a really cool piece of armour in here before he took it. And now it's at his trading post. Ah, well. Okay, hmm. I've explored every square of this dungeon, and I still haven't seen Mudheart. Where could he be? He's, he's running around. That's not, that's not how you do hide and seek. You're supposed to hide. And the other person seeks. It's not hide and move around and seek. It's hide and seek. You're breaking the walls. You're breaking the walls. Although, admittedly, that's to be expected from someone who's a mass murderer. But still, I mean, usually, once you've explored every square of the dungeon, you find the goad. But here, I haven't. Hmm. Suddenly. Nope. Just that sound again. Appears to be empty. Okay. Um, Maybe I'll just leave the cave. Suddenly. 
As you near the mouth of the cave, something heavy drops onto you from above. A clawed hand craps its classes over your mouth, and the flash of a steel blade passes before your wide eyes. Pick a number. Bonus of 40. 20 from agility, 10 from body, 20 from unarmed combat. Good job I have that, then. And now, to pick a number. Oh, no, no, 67, that's a failure. You twist left and right, violently wrenching your upper torso in an effort to throw off the creature clinging to your back. Those clawed hand covers your mouth. Wait, why is he covering the mouth? I'm in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't matter if I scream. It doesn't matter. And if you weren't covering my mouth, you could be stabbing me with two daggers. Suddenly, your unknown assailant plunges the flashing blade into your side, sending a wave of agony tearing through your body. Forty-two stamina points lost. Oh, that's smart, that's smart. With blood spilling from the nasty stab wound, you stagger back into the wall as a leather-clad goblin goblin nimbly leaps from your back and spins towards you. You're at last face to face with Mudheart. You can expect no quarter from me, shrine, hisses the vile goblin, his cruel grin bearing a line of jagged, rotting teeth. Nothing in it for you to come in, to come out all the way, all this way, Hunting me down like some kind of beast. Well, uh, that is because you are some kind of beast. Because you're a murderer and you just stabbed me. Admittedly, I was going to kill you. But still, you stabbed me in the back while I was about to leave. If you waited just a bit longer, I might have left this cave. And, uh smoked it out or something. Or maybe it just sealed it up with a big rock and just waited for you to die. Mudheart stabs an accusatory finger at you. What of my pet human? Rogues like that aren't easy to come by. It's my right to avenge them. Dear friends as they were, I'll have all your blood. What? Those walls were your friends and you sent them to die? You knew that. You know who I am. You know how good I am at this stuff. You knew those walls would die. And you have them attack one at a time. Yes, that's, yes, that's it. Yes, stop, stop. Stop, stop playing. It's my fault because you ordered your wolves to attack me. Your fault, you had them attack me. And every and after that I really didn't have a choice. Because I, I didn't bring my wolf nip with me, because that doesn't exist. And may and maybe if, if you told me in advance that I would be fighting wolves, maybe I could have bought a really big net. I just caught them in that. And then have killed you. Just just killed you because well, you're a murderer. I have to kill you. Those are the wolves. 
And also you keep escaping, so I can't even just deliver you to justice and then, then just let justice do whatever it does because you keep escaping, so I gotta kill you. With that, the savage goblin hurls itself at you in a frenzied attack, viciously swiping at you with his long-bladed knife. It is Mudheart at long last. Hmm. So I do have the option to subdue him, but I did just make this huge wand about, about killing him. But I do like taking the subdue option. Okay, I will subdue him, but I'm going to tie you up really, really tightly. And maybe, I don't know, gag you as well, so you can't trick people. Mudheart stabs at you with his blade once more. But, now, but the thing is, because he's not attacking me from behind, he's not act I'm able to get out of the way and he's not doing any damage. Uh, so I uh, just... I went into battle wage. Ah, you made me call wolves. Ah, I'm so angry about that. You have subdued your foe. Five XP. Mudheart staggers back and collapses against the wall. His long bladed knife clattering to the floor of the cave. You immediately position yourself over the battered goblin as he struggles to draw breath. After a few moments, he looks up at you in a defeated tone, begs for his life. Please, let me go, he croaks, turning to gaze up at you, his scarfed face frizzling. I, I'll make no trouble for you, human. You know nothing of me, nothing of what I do. Let me go. Mudheart's words wing hollow. Try as you might, you cannot... Push from your mind. Minds the gruesome account of his base savagery in Trishok, the village in which the vicious swamp dwellers' last four victims were discovered. Still, something about the goblin inexplicably moves you to almost want to take pity on him. Okay, so I could take pity on Mudheart. But I'm pretty sure that will just lead to me getting stabbed. I could kill him here and now and just end this business. Once and for all, he has already been found guilty by the relevant authorities. I'm just I'm trying out a legitimate death sentence. It just happens to be away from the courts because he keeps running away from the courts. Or I could take him into custody, but... I think he might escape again and then kill more people. So I so gotta make the choice. Okay, I am going to kill him. With no desire to show even an ounce of leniency to the ruthless killer, you hardly determine how you will go about finishing him off. So I can allow him to stand and face me. But I have the I have the sensation he might just use that opportunity to run away. So I could just strike him immediately. You deal the battered goblin a solid, well-placed blow that sent him sprawling safe first into the damp cave floor. Believing that you've killed him, you move forward to make certain. 
only to have the vile creature suddenly leap to his feet and spin to face you, with blood pouring out of the lasty glass on his head. Bardhart lunges at you, plunging his blade towards your, your chest. I'm fighting Mudheart. He's wounded, so he's going to go down a lot easier. Very easy. One, one tiny blow, and he's already half dead. He stabs at you with his blade. Keep stabbing. Got him. There he is. He is dead. Finally dead. And I'm just going to have to be double certain by chopping his head off or something to make sure there's no more tricks. 3xp. A faint gurgling sound echoes through the darkness as Mudheart staggers back, clutching at his throat. A thick stream of oozing blood pours out of the goblin's mouth as he collapses into a heap against the cave wall. The murderous creature's blazing eyes flicker for several moments as he draws his final ragged breath and expires. Okay, a search of Mudheart's remains turns up a small quantity of gold. A very small quantity, in fact. His long-bladed knife and a copper wing that was fitted onto his left forefinger. Realising you need to provide some proof of the goblin's death, you decide to take the items with you. That's four gold tokens. He probably took one gold token from each of his victims last as some sort of strange murderous memento. Yeah, so the, there's a little nix in them to show that he's killed people. Perhaps. Mudheart's knife. Alright, that's a stabbing weapon, as you expect. This long-bladed knife was the favourite weapon of Mudheart. A vile goblin whose cruel, murderous deeds long ago terror, long, no, long ago, just now, long terrorised remote settlements along Tysa's eastern border. This weapon is of exceptional quality, so it's four melee rating. No, that's no point when you would equip that. And an unidentified copper wing, which I'm going to identify later. This is the copper wing you remove from the finger of Mudheart after killing him. Yep, I'll identify it later. Then, with low desire to spend even a moment longer here, you make your way out of the cave and begin the long, arduous trek out of Ramagorn's slough. Two days after finding your way out of the mire, you arrive in Warfoot and meet with an agent of Fenquarith, who is elated to learn of Mudhart's demise. A quick examination of the long-bladed knife, once wielded by the vile goblin, is all it takes to convince, convince the man that you have d d delivered justice long overdue to a savage killer of men. The, the agent, grey-bearded man with a patch covering his left eye, Passes your bounty of 1,000 gold and promises to deliver word of your success to the Thane. Yay! I think I've helped out all the Thanes now. Hmm, let's see. There's five Thanes. There's Thane Poland in. There's Thane Poland in Twithick. There's that, there's that Thane in Chuck. 
Inchana. Who I helped out in Proving Grounds 2. Svein Crawith. In Talsia, I've just helped him out. And there's that Thane in... Thane in Gradoc. I helped him out with a whole storm mess. And now Thane Crawith in Talmus. I've helped... No, oh, wait. And, and, and there's Thane... Ma Thane in Mazabak. Who was replaced by Thane Fallen, with whom I am quite well acquainted. Alright, I've helped out every Thane now. That's nice. 1,000 gold. Word of Mudhart's death spreads quickly throughout the eastern region of Tulsa, and ultimately to the west of the kingdom. Through the tellings of the vile goblins divides very substantially, depending on when the st where the story is being told, and who's telling it, you remain the central figure in the heroic tale that will live on through the ages. Perhaps the most creative retelling of your quest, quest to hunt down mudhards, involves you defeating a trio of ma massive swamp serpents magically commanded by the goblin outlaw. You haven't seen fit to discredit that particular version. Okay, that finishes this adventure for 256 experience the general. Okay, I think I might have preferred doing it that way, but this way is good too. Yeah, yeah well. Mud heart. <laughs> but I don't think I'd have felt photos Voters angry about having to kill sub-serpents, as I would about killing wolves. So, that's got that advantage. Alright, and that is the end of this quest. Once again, no new adventures unlocked by doing that. Now, do I have enough time for the final quest called The Brothers, which is in the Wed Gate Inn? You know what? I'll go ahead and do it. Adventures for this location. This adventure was called The Brothers. At the request of Eurif Ironhaft, you make your way to a decaying farm on the outskirts of Warfoot. In a normal difficulty in Buck, there are special tips slash notes available in the adventure, multiple paths to completion. When Eurif suddenly waves to you from across the crowded con room, you excuse yourself from the group of patrons with whom you've been conversing, and make your way over to the elder Iron Half Brother. After nervously glancing over the over his thronged interior, he ushers you into a small room at the back of the building and closes the door. There, in a room cluttered with cluttered with empty crates, broken chairs, and heaps of sacks, the tall, thin man addresses you in voice bearing and unmistakable earnestness. Hope you don't consider this a bit too forward, he says, nervously. But I've something that is, something has come up. Something that could, I need your help. Speaking swiftly and quietly, Yarif tells you that both his inn and Warfoot at large have been targets of fit, troublesome mischief for a pair of brothers. Those farm sits on the outskirts of Warfoot. It's that's told air, lads, he says, unable to hide his disdain for their lame for their name. 
Ever since old Teldare passed on, his sons have been nothing but a blight on Warfoot. And some other places. They were most recently accused of taking Sidlan Verstrit's old dog, Topper, right off his farm. There's never any proof to be had, of course. And Sidlan and the others are too polite to press Natus. Well, I'm not. I'll make it worth your while to make that plain to the Teldares. Over several mugs of steaming, and somewhat overcooked paleo, the other relates to you the numerous recent in- incidents invo- involving Eldin and Albog Terdare. You learn that following the death of their father, a kind and generous man beloved in and around Warfoot, the brothers Terdare have devolved into a surly, drunken pair, brash, violent and quick to anger. They made a nasty reputation for themselves as you are shaking his head. I hate to think that old Rowan, their father, can see what's become of them. They were always troubled, mind, but it's become unbearable since they've been on their own. The, the, the old man, feeble as he was at the end, was the only voice they heeded. It's a shame. Nothing else could be said about that. Yura describes for you, in great detail, several recent episodes in which the Teldares bullied, harassed, and tormented patrons of the inn and residents in and around the village. I almost took my rod to them, he says. They laughed and told me to watch myself. My brothers have missed it where do you laugh, but theirs was no idle threat. Things are getting worse. It has to be stopped. When you ask Yura of what he is asking you to do, first he sees reluctant to come out and say to it, What to be careful about? How I put it, he said. These sorts of things can be taken in the wrong way, if one isn't careful. Yorath opens the door and peers across the common room. He watches his gaze falls upon his truffer Janwid on the far side of the crowded wall. The, the sighting brings him some measure of belief. He sighs as he closes the door and turns back to you. I'm, a- I'm asking you to send a clear message to the Teldare brothers. He says, his voice lowering as he mentions their name. Whatever it takes, sort of, actually, well, you know, permanently harming them. Talk to them. Maybe rough them up a bit. I've no doubt they give you any sort of trouble. At least, not anything you couldn't handle. They need to know there are consequences for the trouble they get up to. For the people they hurt. For a moment, Yoris falls silent. Places his hand on his hips and shakes his head. Topper was the last bit I was willing to tolerate, he says. Referencing Sidlan Verdwest's missing dog. Sidlan's a peaceable sort. His farm's white up against the Teldare place. Nothing else. Those lads need to answer for that dog. Sidlan's heart is broken over all this. That's beyond any doubt. Sid. Yura tells you he's willing to pay you 500 gold to convince the brothers to mend their ways. So, I've still options here. I could agree to visit the Teldare brothers and ask him why he's willing to pay or decline this task. I'm going to do number two first. Yura admits to you that his reasons for wanting the Teldares dealt with the partially selfless. It's quick to point out the whole region would be better off for it. The start to have an effect on business, he says. 
folk don't want to come in here and face the Chasworthy to deal with them. There's more to it that I said. That more to it than that. As I said, the disappearance of old Topper was what finally drove me over the edge. Said so I doesn't have much left, but he had Topper. Now he doesn't. The elder iron, iron shaft falls silent for a moment, then in a hushed tone, even lower than one he's thus far employed, he again speaks. I'm honestly surprised Topper's head hasn't turned up at Sid Lyon's door, he says. That's the sort of lads these are. That's the sort of thing they inflict upon everything around them. Okay, I agree to visit them. With your acceptance of the task, Yufla meets you in the Charlotte then describes for you the location of the Teldare farm. Tells you he'll have your patient payment waiting for you when you return. Just remember to watch yourself at all times, he says, his tone suddenly grim. Those lads are capable of anything. I'm not certain they'll look to challenge you very much, but it's hard to say. But the old father watch over you while you're up that way. Your earth again reminds you that he wishes for the Teldares made to remain plain to them that uncouth, violent ways will no longer be tolerated. He also asks that you keep your eyes peeled for Topper, Sid, Sid Lan Vestrud's missing dog. He describes you to him as a large black dog with a spot of white on his head. Oh, oh that's cute. Do what you have to protect yourself, of course, he says. But nothing more but nothing more than roughing those lads up, should it come to that. I hope that you can talk some sense into them and avoid the west of it. Hope you'll find out something about the dog. With that, you bid him farewell and prepare to set off on your wonder views with the brother's tell dare. Suddenly. As you step outside the inn, you suddenly approach by a black-bearded man garbed in green and black finery. He begs your pardon. He, be he begs, begs your pardon for the interruption, asks if he might have a private word with you. Somewhere a bit more out of the way than this, he says. Just over there. On the other side of that wagon would do nicely. It would only take a minute or two. You glance at the cart to which the man has referred. You reckon Ardhaf's air pair of ageing mares stand hitched to the front of the wagon, their heads bowed over a long feet long feet bin. Okay, I'll use div I can agree to what he has to say. We'll decline, but first I'll use divination to figure out what's up. Failed. Oh bugger. <laughs> you channel your power of divination, and the one able to sense anything definitive about the man. Well that's a pity. Agree to what he has to say anyway. Well, great to hear what he has to say. Standing behind the iron haft wagon, you listen. You are listening. You listen intently to what the bearded stranger has to say. Without introducing himself, he begins speaking quickly and quietly. I will not be long with what he has to say. He says, "I will represent someone both powerful and influential." Someone who desires to see a more permanent sort of fix with regards to the brothers you're on the way to say. I'm prepared to say pay you 2,000 gold to see it done. 
you immediately realise the stranger is offering to pay you to kill the Taldares. Okay. Okay. Inquire further. You make several pointed inquiries, but the man refuses. Refuses to say anything more than what he's already told you. There's nothing else to be had. I can't make the objective any clearer. I can assure you, however, you will never be implicated in anything related to this. This that much, I can promise you. Hmm. Now the thing is, if that dog's okay, they live. If the dog's not okay, they die. Those are the rules. So, I guess I'm going to have to reject his proposal. The bearded man seems put off for an instance. Put off for an, the instant you reject his proposal to kill the Teldare brothers. Immediately asks you reconsider. A pair isn't worth the space they occupy, he says coldly. There's no risk to you other than those which the ruffians might pose. I'll advise you to think carefully on it. No, 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 no. I'm rejecting again. The final rejection of the proposed task of kill, of killing the Taldare brothers wages, raises the bearded stranger's ire. Then we've concluded whatever this was, he grumbles. Without waiting for you to respond, he turns and makes his way into the inn, not once glancing back in your direction. Vowing to put the strange encounter out of mind, you set out at once for a Teldare farm, eager to find out what lies in store for you at the abode of the troublesome brothers. Simulated on the outskirts of Warfoot, next to a lazy stream that meanders off along the edge of the encroaching evergreen forest, Teldare farm is, at first glance, little more than a scattering of dilapidated shacks on an overgrown treeless swath. With your mind ever focused on the task at hand, you cautiously make your way onto the farm. Seeking any sign of the brothers you've come here to come here to tend. Following the sound of voices and the occasional clank of metal, you find your way to a leaning wooden structure appears at one time served as a stable. There, inside the large opening where a set of massive doors once stood, stands a rickety wagon. Two young men, presumably the Teldare brothers, look up from the broken axle to which they've been, att been attending and step towards you. Well, Matt, is there something we can do for you, stranger? Before you can respond, the broadholder's man who addressed you, the left side of his face mocked with a long, jagged star. Scar introduces himself as Alborg. The other man's man steps round the wagon, and Alborg introduces him as his brother Aldwin. It's not often we get visitors up this way. Something you need? asks Alborg. So, got quite a lot of options now. I could just kill them. I could attempt to intimidate them. I could attempt to persuade them. I could teach the brothers a harsh lesson. A lesson with my fists. Educational fists. Yeah. Educational fists. Educational fists. Learning lessons with punches. Ask them about Sidland, Vestra's missing dog. Okay. 
I'm gonna, the dog is the most important thing, so that's my first question. Quite frankly, I, if the dog, their, their very existence depends upon the fate of this dog, and I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> the brothers exchanged knowing glances when you broached the subject of, of Sidlan's missing dog. Sounds like you're trying to accuse us of something, says Edlin, producing a, a long piece of bent iron, grasping it as if it was a weapon. Think we ought to show this stranger that we appreciate and expect proper manners up this way. With unexpected swiftness, Albrog reaches into the back of your wagon, draws out a square of iron, and hurls the object at you. Oh no, okay, okay, yeah, you're being mean. Admittedly, I was told you were mean before, so this isn't really unexpected. Pick a number, bonus of 40, 20 from agility, 10 from body, 10 from luck. Need to get 75 or more, pick now. 127, success. You twist your side, easily dodging the piece of iron. Let's chop him up for the wolves, snarls Eldrin as he and his brother rush at them. Rush at you, each of them brandishing a length of bent iron. Okay, I'm fighting the Teldare brothers. And that, oh, that escalated quickly. Okay, so I can kill them, which means they can't tell me where the dog is. And also they're dead, but that's less important. If well, Where the dog is, if the dog is, is alive and well and in one piece. and Not in a state where I have to kill them. Or I could subdue them, then they learn their lesson, and more importantly, can tell me where the dog is. I'm going to have to subdue them. Their fate, their fate is still undecided until I know what happened to the dog. Subdue them. The brothers swipe at you at their length of eyeing. Now, what? Did you know who I am? Did you? No, surely you've heard that at the time where I, where I fought that giant just a while back in this area. I mean, you were probably at the ceremony where I received the 1,000 gold for it. Surely you've heard of that. What do you think's going to happen when you two brothers, you pick a fight with someone who's gone up against giants? Giants, in case you didn't know, you couldn't figure it out. They're really big! They're really, really big! And you're not. You're, 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 tiny. you're, you're, you're just, just people size. You're not really big. Your, your enemy lays a particularly brutal stroke on you for 15 damage. Okay. They swipe at you with their length of iron in tangle. Thick weaving vines appear. Appear and twist themselves around your foe. Plus three adjustments to your combat roll. A shimmering length of golden rope suddenly appears and binds your foe. Two to combat roll. Alright, shimmering length golden rope plus one. They, they, can't, they can't do anything because they're all tied up at the moment. Alright, and 
The, bro the brothers swipe at you with their lengths of iron. And they are subdued. Now, almost in unison, the brothers tell their cry out for mercy. Five, five XP to conjuration. Desperate to end the savage thrashings that's left them bloodied, battered and dazed. You step back, place your hands on your hips and slowly shake your head. A gesture that seems to send Albog into a panic. He begins breathing rapidly, his wide eyes focused on your every move. So, I've got two options. I could kill them here and now. Because uh, they probably tried to kill me. I'm not sure if they're going for murder or just grievous bodily harm. Kind of hard to say. Or I can let them live. As once again, I have to let them live so I can find out where the dog is. It's all about the dog. I don't really, I don't care about all these other things. I just care about the dog because the dog is cute and pettable. And a dog. Let them live. Pressing your advantage, you demand the brothers ends their troublesome ways and stop plaguing the people of Warford and elsewhere with their brash, violent mischief. You're, immediately, you're somewhat taken aback when both Edwin and, and, and Albrock immediately agree with your pointed stipulation. Yeah, but I mean, will they actually keep it? I mean, people, I mean, people have said, oh, I'll change my ways, I'll change my ways. And then two weeks later, they're back to freaking normal. And I won't be here in, in two weeks. I probably won't be around here to kick their asses again. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, unwilling to leave the pair off the hook so quite, quite so quickly, you quickly berate the prayer, excuating them for several of the incidents related to you by Yorick. The brothers repeatedly assure you they will no longer inflict themselves upon anyone and will work to make amends their past transactions. Just as you're about to take your leave, confident you've made a lasting impression upon them, physical and otherwise, you suddenly recall Shishlana Vastrad's missing dog, Topper, as if suddenly recalled. I've been thinking of nothing but that dog the entire time! I've just been holding it off until they're quite subdued until I'd be absolutely sure they tell the truth. Ask them about the missing dog. As soon as you mention the missing dog, the colour drains from the battered faces of both brothers. Albrog immediately stammers apology, telling you that they only took the dog after a dispute about a fence with Sidlan. Brothers are quick to tell you they did not hurt, never intending to hurt Toppler. They were going to return him at some point. Okay, the dog's not hurt. You get to live. Lucky you. Lucky you. Because it's the rules. It's, it's in my hero code. You, kill, you hurt a dog, you die. It's, it's, it, it's the rules. <laughs> I'll block him. Now, Odin limps into a ramshackle structure that serves as our abode and, her, and returns a couple of minutes later with a large black dog trotting along behind. The patch of white atop his head, as described to you by Yorif, confirms his deed, Sitland Vastrod's missing dog, Topper. Yes! 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 
Much to relief, the dog seems to have suffered no ill treatment upon his confinement. After making sure Topper will follow you, you take your leave of the brothers, reminding them one last time about their promise to mend their troublesome ways. Then, with Topper looking along at your heels, you you make your way off off the Teradair farm and embark upon a somewhat lengthy trek to the neighbouring track, that of Sidlam Vestred. Sidlam is overjoyed to have Topper back. The old farmer, who appears to have some, some degree of difficulty moving about, laughs as the large black doll bowls him over as he charges into the, into the small wood and stone abode. The white-haired man, whose broad shoulders and thick arms betray a life of rugged toil, invites you in, and you soon find yourself seated at a clattered slab, cluttered slab table, sipping mysteriously hot payload from a sipping dangerously hot payload from a from a carved wooden mug. Can't properly tell you what it means to have that old lad back, he says, beaming as he looks over at Topper, who's now curled up by the hearth. Just been me and Topper for a number of years now. So, the Teldars had him? Never thought they'll turn out like they did. The old father would have whipped them if he, if he were about. Nothing but trouble, it seems, and getting worse. You tell Selsidlam that the, the brothers Teldar will no longer be tr- troubling Warford and its inhabitants. The old man seems dis- surprised. You explain to him, Leaving out most of the details, success in convincing the brothers to mend their ways. After refusing Sidlan's offer to pay you for returning Topper, you finish your payload, bid him farewell, and set out for Warford, eager to return to the village and put your mission to the farm behind you. As you depart, you glance back towards Sidlan's modest dwelling. There, thrown in the doorway, lit from within by the flickering glow of a well-kept fire, stand the, stand the old fire and his only, t- and his true and only companion. At that moment, you are unable to bring to mind a happier sight. Nope, neither can I. Neither can I. It's late afternoon when you finally arrive in Warfoot and make your way into the Red Gate Inn. Yorif is both pleased and surprised when you relate to him the success of your task at Teldair Farm. When you tell him that you were fi- you found and returned Topper to Sidlam, he is overjoyed. This couldn't have gone any better, he says, grinning. We're rid of a menace and Topper's back with his master. I never let myself believe all of this would come to pass. Thank you. Leaving out most of the details of, the, of your encounter with the brothers, you tell him the brothers have been convinced to mend their ways. Cows at heart, as most of their ilk is, says Yura, shaking his head. Of course, your reputation was probably known to them. I'm sure that helped to make them think better of things. Yura pays you what he promised. 500 gold tokens. Well, with any luck, they won't be going back to their old ways, he says, meeting you with, with a shoulder across. We can only hope. Yes, yes. Just hope.
and in the days, weeks and months that follow your visit to the Brothers Telder, the lives of those dwelling in and around the Warfoot and the surrounding settlements improve significantly. The part, the part, the power the bro- brothers are cast over the region quickly becomes evident to all. The Oloref never again speaks with you on any detail about your excursions at all. So whenever you wish, vi- vi- visit the Red Gate Inn and your gaze is managed to cross, the two of you always exchange a knowing look and a quick nod. So there we are. That finishes this adventure for 384 experience to general. And no new adventures were unlocked by doing that. Okay, and that, now time to save. And that is the end of my adventures in Warfoot. Next time, I guess we'll see about that big bad tree. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Yes, I stopped stopped pressing for the Mudhearth adventure. I identified the wing you found. It's called the Wing of Wild Might. This is the copper wing you removed from the finger of Mudhard after killing him. Unbeknownst to you, this wing originally belonged to an adventurer who was lured to his death in Wagamogon's Slough by Mudhard. It's got a melee weighting of two and a might of two, and that's it. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.